0: Hey, this is Aaron Brockett, lead pastor of Traders Point Church. Regardless of where you are tuning in around the world or if you call Indianapolis home, I just wanna thank you for tuning in to our weekly message podcast. Our prayer and desire is that God would take the content of these messages and use it to encourage you in your relationship with Jesus as you discover God's purpose for your life. All right. Good morning, Traders Point. Wow, it is uh, wonderful to be here. Greetings to all of you. Greetings to all of you on whichever campus you're on. Man, it is so good to be with you. Uh, I flew in from Arizona yesterday afternoon. We are no longer in Arizona. Let me just say it that way. I, uh, I texted Aaron when I got here and I, I just said, Snow, Aaron, really snow? And he had the audacity this is your lead pastor, to show me a picture of the sun setting over the Gulf of Mexico from Florida. So I sent him a video of your snowstorm, and we call it even. Hey, uh, no, seriously, I love Aaron, and I have just become friends with him over the years and feel so blessed to know him, and uh, I've known of your church, I've been here a number of times, and again, just so excited to be here today, so thank you for being here. Hey, I want to take you on a little journey, I uh, want to take you on a journey through some pictures, and so if you'll allow me, you know, sometimes things happen that are so bizarre you just got to notice, something happened up in Toronto, I doubt you heard about this, but uh, it was actually kind of, it was documented by pictures, and so I thought, well, I'll just bring the pictures and show you what happened. So um, he- here's, here's what happened. At nine o'clock uh, in the morning, a man reported a dead raccoon uh, on the sidewalk to the city, and uh, this is it. That's no big deal, right? A dead raccoon, all right? Um, the city then responded that they would take care of it, and so the raccoon just kind of hanging out there. Uh, around noon, uh, someone decided they w- would attach a note uh, to, well, this is what the note said, rest, dear raccoon, help is on the way from the city. <laughs> uh, six hours later, uh, he was found with a flower, a card, and a framed photo. <laughs> uh, someone gave the raccoon its own personal hashtag, hashtag dead T.O. Uh, around 8 p.m., uh, he was still there, and the flowers began piling up. Uh, one city council offered, uh, you know, what we ought to do in memory of our friend is leave the bins open. So they, this is what they did. Just open up the bins. Uh, so free, you know, dinner for all the other raccoons. Almost 12 hours later, uh, about 8.20 p.m., the raccoon was still there. Uh, the day is passing. Um passerbys decided that they needed to do more, so they started a candlelight vigil. (laughs) I'm not making this up. Um, Toronto's animal services uh, showed up around 11 o'clock p.m. You can see them. They're coming in the van. And uh, even after he was gone, uh, people still lit candles in his memory. Someone then had the uh, foresight to say, you know, we just need to remember him. So they came up with this. God, Brad, friend, neighbor, raccoon. Hey, um, I'm going to ask you a question. <clears throat> After you die, how are you going to be remembered? Uh, you know, you're you're going to come up. They're going to talk about you. I mean, what what are you going to be remembered for? What are they going to say about you in conversation? What are, well, I mean, like when your name is mentioned, what's going to be associated with your name? And I, I don't know if you have thought about that much, but I want to challenge you to think about it. In what ways are you going to be missed when you're no longer present? What, what are they going to say? I want to tell you another story. Um, did you hear about the guy that died and then became famous? It kind of sounds like a setup for a joke, doesn't it? But there, there's a guy, I'm going to show you a picture of him. In fact, it's, this is him right here. You'll see him. This is him. He died, and uh, they uh, have an obituary by his family. They wrote an obituary, and the obituary went viral. And I want to read to you. It's four paragraphs, so if you'll indulge me, let me, let me get through this. Um, but it's from his kids and his family, and they wrote about their dad. If you'll allow me. I'm going to tell you right now, I've toned it down. I'm not going to read to you what they actually said. It's not appropriate in church. Okay, but if you'll allow me, I'll t- kind of keep the flavor of what they said. Leslie Ray Popeye uh, Charping was born in Galveston on November 20th, 1942, and passed away January 30th, 2017, which was 29 years longer than expected and much longer than he deserved. Leslie battled with cancer in his latter years and lost his battle, ultimately due to being the horses behind he was known for. I modified that, just so you know. He leaves behind two relieved children a son, Leslie Ray Charping, and a daughter, Sheila Smith, along with six grandchildren and countless other victims, including an ex-wife, relatives, friends, neighbors, doctors, nurses, and random strangers. At a young age, Leslie quickly became a model of bad parenting, combined with mental illness and a complete commitment to drinking, drugs, womanizing, and being generally offensive. Leslie enlisted to serve in the Navy, but... Not so much in a brave and patriotic way, but more as a, well, part of a plea deal to escape sentencing on criminal charges. While enlisted, Leslie was a Navy boxing champion and went on to sufficiently embarrass his family and country by spending the remainder of his service in the Balboa Mental Health Hospital receiving much-needed mental health care services. Now, Leslie was also surprisingly intelligent. However, he lacked ambition and motivation to do anything more than being reckless, wasteful, squandering the family savings, and fantasizing about getting rich quick schemes. Leslie's hobbies included being abusive to his family, uh, expediting trips to heaven for the beloved family pets and fishing, which he was less skilled at than the other things previously mentioned. Leslie's life served no other obvious purpose. He did not contribute to society or serve his community, and he possessed no redeeming qualities besides quick-witted sarcasm, which was amusing during his sober days. With Leslie's passing, last paragraph, uh, with Leslie's passing, he will be missed only for what he never did, Uh, being a loving husband, father, and good friend. No services will be held. There will be no prayers for eternal peace, no apologies to the family he tortured. Leslie's passing proves that evil does in fact die and hopefully marks a time of healing and safety for all. Wow. The most pathetic statement in there is he will be missed only for what he never did. How would you like to be remembered for that? You know, it seems like you can take somebody's life and capture it in a sentence. It, it, it seems like we just do that. And you hear about this guy and you go, How in the world does a guy live like that? And uh, he'll, be, he'll be missed only for what he never did. There is a guy in the Bible, you might or might not know of him. Wouldn't surprise me if you didn't, but he was, uh, he, he was an important guy. He was a king, he was a king of Judah. I want to tell you about him because there is a line in the Bible that describes him that I believe is the saddest sentence in the Bible. I'm going to show it to you in just a moment. Uh, Let me explain who he was, though. And and the reason why I want to show you this is this sentence, I pray nobody ever says this about you. I I pray that nobody ever thinks to say this when you're gone. Because once somebody says it, it can never be unsaid. It can never go away, won't ever go away. And uh, to understand the sentence, I need to explain a little bit of the family history. This, This guy was a king of Judah. Well, he inherited that from his father, who was a king of Judah also. His father was a guy named Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a very good man. Jehoshaphat is a hero. Jehoshaphat had a laser clear focus on God. Jehoshaphat led the nation really, really well. So this guy's issue was not with his dad. His dad was a great example. He, This guy, so here's Jehoshaphat, this guy, his name's Jehoram, and he had a son named Azariah. So I'm showing you three generations. Azariah was a mess. A- Azariah was aligned with Ahab and Jezebel. A- Azariah liked being in bad company, and he prided himself on, on, on being that kind of a person. Now, now we we could blame Azariah for just following the example of his father, but you can't blame Jehoram for that, because Jehoram's dad was awesome. So let me show you this verse that sums up the life of the guy in the middle, okay, this guy named Jehoram. And this is what it says. It's 2 Chronicles 2120. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. He passed away to no one's regret and was buried in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the kings. Now, there's a lot in that sentence. Did you catch it? Did you catch the sentence that summed up his life? He passed away to no one's regret. What a horrible way to sum up a life. He passed away to no one's regret, to no one's regret? Surely his wife missed him. Nope. Not at all. Surely his kids missed him. Nope, no, no one's regretting kids. Surely his friends were sorry to see him go. Nope, didn't record any friends. He passed away to no one's regret. Nobody could care less that he died. In fact, truth be known, they actually celebrated when he died. They're glad to see him go. They, they were so glad to see him go that the custom is to bury the kings in the city of David. And they said, you know, no, not Jehoram. No, he doesn't deserve to he didn't deserve to be buried with the other kings. So they said, We're going to put him out farther, just the way he was. He was never about people. We're going to. What does one have to do to die such an inglorious death? How does one have to live to be remembered by like that? He died to no one's regret. You want to know why? Listen carefully. Because he lived to no one's benefit. That's why. He died to no one's regret because nobody benefited from his life. He made no difference to anybody. And so when he died, it's like, who cares that he's gone? He squandered every leadership opportunity, every opportunity. To, and he was an incredibly powerful person, uniquely placed as king over Judah. Folks, your legacy will be determined by how you give yourself away So when I say what will be said about you when you're gone, the answer is all dependent upon how you live your life for others and not for yourself. And uh, the truth of the matter is, is we all have choices to make and uh, your reality uh, is going to be remembered. Did you live for yourself or did you live for others? So let me ask you a question. I, I did not come all the way here to depress you about death. Trust me, all right? This has a better, all right? But at some point, you got to stop living and start thinking about living. And why are you living? And, and like, why are you living for? What difference is your life going to make? At some point, you got to quit going forward and stop and think. Because you're going to run out of days. There's only so many sands, you know, and it's going to pass. So who's benefiting from your life right now? Who's standing on your shoulders? Who are you lifting up? Who are you letting see greater heights because you're helping them? Who, who are you? Like, is your, is your husband being lifted up? Is your wife being lifted up? Are your kids being lifted up? Are people in your church being lifted up? What difference is your life making? That's what I want to talk to you about. And uh, the truth is this stuff gets really, really personal. I, I'm gonna, I know you don't know me, uh, I, I want to just give you a little, bit of, a little bit of the story of my life, if you'll allow me, and then I'm going to put in a context. Um, I want to ask you to think about your dad. And I know for some of you, you go, oh, my dad. My dad is awesome, man. I love thinking about my dad. I love my dad. Some of you, when we talk about your dad, you have all kinds of stories to tell, man. And I, I hope you continue, that you keep having more and more stories. I hope the thought of your dad brings a smile to your face. But here's the reality, it doesn't for everyone. Some of you, when I talk about your dad, you go, oh, why'd you bring him up? Now let's get real personal, all right? Why'd you bring him up? I I don't have any uh, great stories about my dad. I got none. In fact, um, my dad left when I was three months old. I am a father, and when my kids were three months old, I had a kind of an existential crisis. Like, how could you do this to a kid? But it's a story. So my dad just left. I've never been with my dad, as far as I know. I don't don't have any relationship with my dad. When when I was growing up, now what I'm about to describe is going to sound like I'm making this up because it's such a different world than the world we live in today, but when I was growing up in my neighborhood, everybody had a dad. I know that sounds bizarre because it's not the way it is now, but everyone had a dad. Everyone had a dad except me. Now, there was, in fairness, there was another kid who didn't have a dad. He had a dad. He went into the service. He got killed in Cambodia. And we all agreed it was an honorable death. His dad's missing, but that's honorable. My dad was just AWOL. People would come over to my house and they'd say, where's your dad? Because it was weird not to have my dad. I go, I don't know. where." Well, what's your dad like? I don't know. Come here, I'll show you. And there was a picture in the hallway of my dad. And I would show people the picture of my dad. And I'd go, that's my dad. And they'd say, well, where is he? I, I, was he coming home? I, I uh, never came home. Uh, I, I need you to understand that, to understand why I'm telling you this. Because when you grow up without a dad, uh, you start to realize you're kind of you're missing something. And uh, I felt like I was missing something. Now, I want to explain something. And this is crucial that you understand. I was a Boy Scout, and it was actually a troop of a church. And so I would go to Boy Scouts, but then we moved, and we moved so far away that I, I couldn't get to the Boy Scout troop. That was my connection. It was like these, this is how I was becoming like a man. I was learning stuff. But then we moved, and, and for whatever reason, these men who led this Boy Scout troop, decided that they would loop way out and get me and bring me to the scout meetings. I don't know why they did that. I had no idea. But I am beyond grateful that they cared enough to go bother to get me. There were painful moments growing up without a dad in that Boy Scout troop. If you know anything about Boy Scouts, there's this thing called father and son campouts. The father and son weekends, all the guys were so stoked, man. It's is awesome for going with my dad. Except I didn't have a dad. And uh, I would wrestle with that. And, uh, and, and invariably, some other family would go, uh, let's, let's take him this time. Now, I don't think this ever happened, or at least never it happened in front of me. But here's what I think happened. I think the guys got together and said, hey, Cal doesn't have a dad. You take him. No, no, I, we took him last time. It's your turn. Again, I never heard that, but I was that kid that nobody wanted. But every time there was a father son camp out, I got adopted in and I got to go. And uh, I I remember it being awkward, I remember it being painful, but I was was included and that was really, really cool. Now I know all of this affected me deeply and I'll tell you how I know it. When I became a high school kid, I got invited to a church, a different church, and in that church, they started talking about uh, God, and they started talking about your father in heaven. Now, stop, time out. I wanted a dad. B- please believe me. I wanted a dad in the worst way, but, but here's, the, here's the deal. See, from the first time I told you that story to the last time I just told you, there, there were men that came and went in my mom's life, lots of men. In fact, she married four different times. Every one of them was dad, you know, come busting in. And uh, I remember going, this is not right. This is weird. And so I had lots of issues. And so when, when they told me, you become a believer in God, you get a heavenly father thrown in. I'm like, "Ah, oh, that's a deal breaker. I don't need another one of them. I don't need any more of that. Uh, it was really hard for me to understand. Now, listen. Your heavenly father might be very different than your earthly father. You might be so blessed. He's your father, your earthly father is very similar to your heavenly father. I don't know. I don't know. Mine wasn't. So I had to overcome all of that. And uh, it's been the you know, it's been a struggle. Now, if I tried to sum up my dad, I would have to use these words. He just went missing. He just went missing. Where'd he go? I don't know. He just went missing. I want to show you something, I hauled this uh, with me on the airplane so I could show you this. All right, This is a book, this is the only thing I've got to connect me with my dad, other than genetics, which again, I, this is it. When, when I was, I, I honestly don't know, five, six, seven, somewhere in there in my life, my dad sent me this book, you can't see it, I know that, it says, The Treasury of Hunting, and The reason I want to show you this book is when I was a kid, I spent endless hours underneath the covers with a flashlight, looking at these pictures, imagining what it would be like to be hunting with my dad, because this is all I had to touch bases with my dad. I know these pictures by heart. I have stared at them so many times over the years. This is all I've got of my dad right here. This is it. Nothing else. Nothing Here's my question. Why do I still have this book? Why am I holding this book up right now? Why am I telling you this story? Because we all need a dad. We need somebody there. And not all of us have somebody there. I love to hunt and fish. People in my church go, why do you love to hunt and fish so much? I don't know. I just. Did you do a lot of hunting and fishing when you were a kid? Nope. No one to take me. I just grew up loving it. And to this day, I spend all my free time hunting and fishing. It's what I love to do. That book have anything to do with it? I don't know. I don't know. I just know I love to hunt and fish. Could it be possible that such a little investment could change someone's life so dramatically? I don't know. The book probably costs $25 in its day. I don't know. Why do I still hold it? I want to take you now to the scripture that that really now applies to what your church is working through on this whole idea of gains. And I want to take you to 2 Timothy. And I want to take you to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I only want to show you just really the first two verses, because it just says it all to me in those two verses, what I'm trying to communicate. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-2, to two, we read these words. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You, you've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now you teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Now, now, there's so much in there. Let's just kind of slow that down. Paul is saying to Timothy, Paul, saying to Timothy, my dear son, Timothy. Now, listen, listen, you got to understand, Paul was famously single. He was not married. This was not his biological son. This was a son by choice. This was a young man that Paul had taken under his wing. He had invited him into his life. He had basically said, come run around with me. I want to raise you. I want to help you grow. I want to be somebody there for you. And he opened the... the and be strong through the grace that God gives you. What's that mean? Timothy, take advantage of the opportunities that are presented to you. Could it be possible that no, no matter what's happened in your life, the grace of God, His hand has been on you, even though you didn't know it, you didn't see it, you didn't understand it, and, and yet... you you are the recipient of it. Could it be God's been watching over you all along because he loves you that much? Because he maybe is really different than your actual father, but you just haven't come to understand that yet. Could it be possible? I want to show you something. If you didn't catch that in 2 Timothy 2, 2, the things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust the faithful people also. I want to show you what just happened. Four generations. Paul's saying, Timothy, I'm going to hand you some stuff. I'm going to give you some stuff. And Timothy, I want you to find faithful people. Give this. What I'm giving you, you give it to them. And and when they get it, you encourage them to give it away as well. It's it's like this. It's It's like a race. It's a relay race. It's the baton. You've been given something. Give it away. Hold it while it's your moment to hold, and then let go of it. If you know anything about relay races, it's the pass that the race is won and lost in hand it off well find somebody to hand it off to Uh, it could be your children hope it is hope you're there hand it off to your children but it doesn't have to just be your children church it can be more than your children it could be somebody else's children hand it off give it away If you read the next chapter, get a little ahead of you here. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, he explains what he gave him. Let Let me show you. He said, you, however, Timothy, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, suffering. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Timothy, you know all about me because we did so much life together. You, you and I, you were there, all the highlights and all the low moments of my life. All the good stuff, all the bad stuff. We did it together. Timothy, that which we've done together, give it away. Make sure somebody else gets it. I don't think it would be possible for Paul to describe his life and not tell you about Timothy. I don't think he could ever describe, like, who he was without going, oh, by the way, I got to tell you about my son, Timothy. Wasn't his son. I just got to tell you about him. I don't think Timothy could ever tell you about his life without talking about his dad. No, 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 not, not that guy. We don't know anything about that guy, but we know about Paul, who handed the baton to him and says, your turn now, son. Run. Run. It's your turn. Um. Why, why am I here? Why in the world did I come to the frozen tundra of Indianapolis? <laughs> From Arizona of all places? I just plead with you, Church, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your influence. Don't waste your moment with the baton, because it will come to an end. As grains of sand you know, in the hourglass, it will come to an end. It, it, it starts in your home. It starts with your kids, man. Be there for your kids. Pass the baton to your kids. But church, you've got to understand something. It can't end there. Because if it ends there, all the people like me won't be here later. You've got to open your heart. You've got to open your house. You've got to open, got to open your life up to other people. I stand here today because I was adopted into the church. I stand here today, because it's not from my family, but it's from my family that welcomed me in when I was a high school kid. And said, you belong here. Man, you're one of us. I'm, going, I'm an outsider. No, 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 no. You're, an in, you're one of us. And uh, I want you to stop for just a moment. I want you to think, church, think about all your kids. No, no, not, not your kids, all your church's kids. We are living among wrecked homes and lives and we got all kinds of issues going on and there are all kinds of young kids growing up with nobody to care about them nobody we got teenagers in your church, teenagers who's they're on the cusp man they can go one of two ways if they have somebody who believes in them, it could work, it could turn it could be good Or if they feel like, yeah, the church is like everywhere else. You got room in your heart for a kid. You got room in your heart for a student. You got room in your heart to lead a group of people who desperately need some direction. How do you die to no one's regret? You simply live to no one's benefit. And when you're done, nobody cares because you weren't going to be missed anyway because you made no contribution. You see, if you waste your influence, you wasted your life. You know what's so cool about Jesus? He chose a handful, 12. He said, guys, just hang out with me, man. Just hang out with me. Just kind of do life with me. you go, well, what did that ever amount to? Well, they changed the world. That's what it amounted to. We're here today because they hung out with Jesus. What world's going to change because you hung out with Jesus. I want to close this message. I want to tell you two, uh, two quick stories. The first involves um, Samuel Johnson. Actually, it involves his biography. Samuel Johnson was a British, uh, again, he's a lot of things, a playwright, a writer, a poet. He's a, he, was involved in, he was involved in lots of stuff. Anyway, he had a biographer. It's his bi- a biographer I want to tell you about. His biographer was a guy named James Boswell. James Boswell was famous in his own right, but James Boswell was the biographer of Samuel Johnson. And Boswell tells the story of how his life changed one day, one day. He he goes, I am crystal clear. I know that one day that everything changed for me. And when people ask him, what was the day? He said, it was the day my dad and I went fishing. We went fishing together and we talked, it was awesome. He was there, we just shared. I asked him questions. It was the greatest day of my life. Someone later had the wherewithal to think about Boswell's father who also kept a journal and they thought we should find out what Boswell's father had to say about that day that changed his son's life. They knew exactly the day, they looked it up and this is what his journal said. Went fishing today with my son. A day wasted. A day wasted. So, um, let me bring this back. And uh, uh, My dad died about four years ago. I found out about my dad's death about a month after he died. Welcome to my dysfunction. That's when I found out about it. And uh, I didn't know what to feel when my dad died. I knew I should feel something, but I didn't feel much of anything. I didn't feel much. It's kind of what happens, you know, when no effort's been made. You don't feel much. But my wife came in one day uh, right after he died, and she said, did you read his obituary? I said, no. And she goes, I looked it up. You should read it. Well, I'm not interested. You know how your wife gets you? You're interested. (laughs) And so I looked it up. My wife looked it up, and I read it. You know what I discovered about my dad? The more things that make big mystery in my life. is what they said about him in his obituary. He loved to hunt and fish. And he taught the Bible to a Sunday school class in his church. And I just went, whoa, what? Yeah, he loved to hunt and fish. And he's a Bible teacher. I also discovered when he died, and this is, again, I don't have a box to put this in. I'm his only biological son. He remarried a long time ago. I thought he had lots of other sons. He didn't. No, I'm it. I'm the last living Jernigan in our family. Now, no more, but how in the world Did this happen? How in the world did you check out so badly? And and you know how as I summed up my dad's life, I I first, you know, I told you he just went missing. No. You know, you know what? And and a lot of reflection, you know what I thought about? A, A different line. What could have been? What could have been? What could have been? Someone's got to initiate a relationship. Folks, I plead with you on behalf of your church, on behalf of your kids, on behalf of your students, on behalf of the groups in your church. Be the person that steps up. Don't don't die to no one's regret. Don't, Don't live your life to no one's benefit. People in this church desperately need your influence. Show up. Could it be as simple as a day fishing? Could it be as simple as a gift? One time in a life that changes a life. Yeah. It's a lot easier than I think we think it is. Give yourself away. You will never regret it. And people will talk about it long after you die. Let's pray. Oh, Father, uh, thank you for Paul and Timothy. Let's start there. God, we all need somebody like that, somebody who's lifting us up, somebody who's opening doors for us, putting us on their shoulders, helping us to see what's possible. And, God, as we stop now and reflect, we've got to think about whose shoulders are we standing on. Where, what, how would we be where we are without that person, those people in our lives? Who are those people? God, have we communicated to them how much they've mattered to us? Help us to do that. But but as we think about this, God, I just pray for us as a church. I pray for this body. I pray that everybody here does a self-evaluation. Is there any room, any room around a dinner table for some kid? It's not theirs, just some, somebody. Is there any room in a van to and from school? Is there any room to pick somebody up and care about them? God, we are living in an ever increasingly broken world. And when we say that, all we're saying is families are falling apart. So many kids are falling off the edge. But in this city, you placed a church, a good church, led by a great leader. God, who can make a huge difference. So help us to put it all in perspective and to realize what we've been given to get the baton in our hand, and hand it off to the next generation. And may we do this in a way that glorifies you only. We do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you for letting me be here.